I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi, you're listening to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans-Eglinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. If you've ever gone down an Instagram rabbit hole, and I certainly have, then you might have come out feeling worse about yourself than you did when you went in. Today on the podcast, we're talking about the impact social media has on body image and what life as an influencer is really like. With me in the studio today are two women who know all about it. Catherine Ormerod is a writer, speaker and influencer who is also the author of Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life. And Alex Light is a journalist turned body confidence influencer. Catherine, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. Before we started recording, I did have to ask both of you how you like to be introduced, uh, <laughs> which is a, a tricky one, really, because influencer is such a loaded term. Alex, how do you feel about being called that? I mean, I don't love the term. I think it has like quite negative connotations, but I don't know if there's necessarily anything, a better term at the moment for it. I mean, Catherine, obviously, you're an expert in this. So I'm sure you've got um, a better idea of other things to call it. But right now, I just feel like influencer is probably the best. Definitely. I mean, I think if you look at social media, it's new media. So it's basically these days, you by using the word influencer, you lump in, you know, a, a newspaper like The Sun with the FT, you know, and that there's a big spectrum there of different types of channels and different types of platforms and different types of people who are all um, using these new channels as a, a way to communicate with people. Um, and yeah, they're all influencers, but there's obviously a huge gamut to run in between the Love Island and maybe a few of the things that Alex and I have been doing on it. <laughs> Catherine, you've written a book, Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life. Yeah. So you must be asked constantly, then why are you on social media? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the book was definitely, there's a real key reason that I used the word why um, as the first word in the the book's uh, title. It doesn't necessarily have to be nefarious and have, um, you know, negative impact on our life at the moment. However, the way that we're using it is really negative. And that kind of comes from two sides of things. Firstly, our behavior and the sheer amount of time that we're spending scrolling. And secondly, through our perceptions of um, the content that we consume and this idea that, you know, 
it is a reflection of a lived life rather than a highly edited and curated uh, outlet as you would find in any other media. So those are the two kind of big areas that I feel that we um, kind of need to assimilate into our understanding of the way we use social media. But that doesn't mean there aren't amazing positive attributes and opportunities to use it as well and it can enrich your life and um, open your eyes to a million ways of living and a million different avenues of careers you could do and places you could eat and amazing people you could hang out with and connect with it's just we're taking a lot of the bad and forgetting about a lot of the good at the moment. Alex for you was this a conscious decision how did you come to be so you know big on social media as it were did did you go after it or was it something that happened organically so it well it happened organically my situation is quite tricky because actually when I started on Instagram I was um in the depth of an eating disorder um and I was sharing pictures sharing images and sort of getting a lot of outside validation and um, I was kind of feeding off of it, so it was quite damaging for me. Um, and then once I started to recover, I decided to just completely change course with my Instagram and just start talk about, you know, anti-diet, eating disorders, body confidence. And that has come, like, completely changed my, you know, how I, how I am on social media. It's completely... I'm, I feel like I'm posting with purpose now, whereas mm. before it was kind of just feeding a rather, like, dangerous... I love that um, posting uh, with purpose. I think that's yeah. really the real delineator, isn't it? In lots yeah. of ways that you you know you're doing it with intention, and that that makes a big difference in terms of what kind of influencer you are. Sorry, I just did hand quotations yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't hear them, but they're happening. <laughs> so, Alex, when you were first posting these, were they kind of outfit of the day pictures? Yes, and it was outfits. Yeah, and getting that validation through people commenting you know oh you look amazing or yeah love your outfit or, you know that must have become almost a compulsive behavior to get that validation absolutely now you're you must feel almost a responsibility to keep posting because i've read comments on your instagram one comment a little while ago someone had written i went on the anorexia hashtag um on instagram obviously looking for pro-anorexia inspiration Mm. and they found you instead and they said god it's amazing to find you at the top of that page and it sort of had knocked them off course which was my intention yeah with hashtagging all the eating disorders but then the responsibility of that for you does that how does how do you stop that from becoming a different kind of obsessive behavior to me, it's like incredibly rewarding because and I know this is cheesy, but I'm trying to be on Instagram the person that I needed to see and follow all those years ago when I was in such a dark place. Um, and I make it a priority to reply to every single Instagram message that I get, every DM that I get um, and comment as well, because I mean, there's just so many girls that are opening up and they don't they haven't opened up to anyone else. No one knows about this, this eating disorder that, you know, they're suffering from Um so it feels rewarding to be able to help people. Obviously, there's only so much I can do. I can only say you have to confide in someone that you trust and that you're close to, and also you have to go and see your GP because obviously I'm not. I have no medical training or qualification. Um, but I actually, I actually I find it extremely rewarding 
obviously it's it's a it's a weight on my shoulders, but it's a weight I'm I'm sort of you know quite happy to bear. And how has that made you feel about your own body? Because if you're posting every day, and you know, for people listening who who maybe haven't seen it, sometimes it will be, you know, a grinning at the camera in a swimsuit picture. Sometimes it will be the same picture taken ten seconds apart, but in one of them you're sucking in and doing a clever angle to make yourself look slimmer and and in the other you're just being a bit more honest with the camera how does that affect your own relationship with your body I feel like my relationship with my body I've done so much work on it over the past you know I mean all my life really I've done so much work on it that now I kind of have a a pretty like neutral uh, relationship with my body like it's there, it's this incredible vessel that allows me to do this and that and carries me through life. I don't really like to focus on what it looks like anymore. Um, I just don't think, it's, it's it's just not important to me anymore. So I'm happy to upload any, any, I feel like I could upload any picture, like the most unflattering, the worst angle, any kind of picture and I would be happy to upload it. And Catherine, yeah. you recently shared a picture of yourself um, looked like you were on a beach or something and basically with with quite a, a long honest comment about how you'd lost weight due to illness yeah. and uh friends of yours or I don't know people you engage with on social media who knew perhaps that you'd been ill were commenting god you look fantastic and yeah my favorite one was parasites have never looked so good it's quite impressive you know as a as a layer yeah so I I was in Mexico I got parasite and hepatitis A together I was really really sick I lost a stone very quickly you know it was like a real hellish brutal couple of weeks looking after my little boy and running around and just you know not really being there and these comments started trickling in um, and it was like, you know, you look like you've had a makeover, you know, body goals. I wish I could look like you in these outfits. At least 20 people said they wished that they could have the parasite. Can I give them the bug? Which, and I was just, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm naive. I know that there is this sentiment out there on social media. Um, I just didn't think that so many people that are following me had that kind of attitude because I'm a slim woman, but, you know, I I was 50 pounds heavier with a baby recently. It's not like I've, you know, been some pro-anno, like, you know, poster girl or anything like that. So it was just quite surprising to me the the proportion of people, you know, it was a, a lot of messages that, that got in touch to say things like that. And it just makes you, it reminded me how in society as a whole, the proportion of people that have those feelings is so high. You know, I think we can very easily mask that with all of the positive work that we're doing through body positivity and all of the, you know, better campaigns that we see across advertising. But the reality is there is this sentiment, um, you know, lying there uh, in a pretty broad extent. And these are just the people that message me. Who, who knows out of the 50,000 plus that are following me what, what they, other people were thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Because when I was younger, I did really, really struggle with, you know, always wanting to be slim and, you know, 
all the diets, all of that stuff. And I had the struggles all the way through my 20s. And now for the past, you know, five years, it's something that I've totally come to terms with. And, you know, seeing your body as a vessel and or else just accepting that there are things that you like and you don't like. And that's just life, you know. Um, and I feel like I'm in a position of strength. And there's that maxim, isn't there, that when you're in a position of strength, it's time to pass your hand back and help someone else through the door. And I felt that by posting something to say, hey, this is really messed up. Um, if you're looking at me thinking that I look fantastic, I mean, I've literally had diarrhea for six weeks. You need to really wake up and wonder what you're saying. You like me enfeebled and weakened and sick. You like me better that, that way than healthy and fit and able to do my job and look after my son. Like, where are we at? You know, that that's even a conversation. And you, a lot of people then, you know, supported that message as well. And so many of, the follow of my followers said that they'd gone through periods where they'd been in hospital and had, like, terrible times, um, you know, through all different sorts of conditions in their life. And they said the exact same thing all of their female friends and people that they knew told them that they looked incredible and then there was like this fear of I don't want to put the weight back on did I look terrible before because if people are so obviously outpouring at how amazing you look now you immediately think god was I a dog before you know was I an absolute cow and you know for me I know I wasn't I was in a really positive um confident place body wise so I can say that, but the truth is most people would internalize those types of messages. They wouldn't say anything out loud and they'd start to believe it. And when they start to believe it, it starts to change their behavior. And then day by day by day, those obsessive instincts can come back in and suddenly you're reducing your calories, exercising to extremes and making the way you look and the numbers on the scales the focus of your life. Did you ever have a point on social media yourself where you had less of a healthy relationship with posting? Oh, massively. That's why I wrote my book, really. Um, so many things, I think. I think, you know, when you're young, it's a very, very difficult place to be. And I, especially when you're going through vulnerable spots in your life, full stop. My husband left me just before I was 30. I got made redundant. I had all of these really, really difficult life situations. And what do you do? You go to social media for validation to try and pick you up. And all it does generally is spit you out because it is not the place to be if you're not in a, a positive headspace. However, if you are in a positive headspace, it can be fantastic because you go into it thinking, oh, well, if I don't get loads of likes or comments, who cares? I'm just expressing myself and this is a, you know, great place to do that. Um, but it's like we all know when you're in a, a vulnerable spot, when you're having a difficult time in life, you don't do things that are healthy for you. You make bad decisions, especially when it comes to your mental health. And I feel like the worse you feel about yourself and the harder it's, it is in your life, the more likely you are to spend too much time on social media and that the research proves that out as well so do you both put restrictions on on yourself I mean I don't know how self-controlled you are but I find myself just scrolling through Instagram without even knowing I'm doing it and I almost come to on Instagram and realize I'm just <laughs> blindly scrolling and I live alone so there's no one to check me L luckily I don't I don't I don't really enjoy consuming like tons of content. Um, I go on, I have a quick scroll every now and again, but I just, I think for my 
my mental health and my well-being, I'm best off being online. I'll post, I'm happy to post and sort of engage with friends, but um, yeah, I think it's just, I just think, I just think it's damaging, I really do. I find that I spend quite a lot of time talking to people on social media, um, respi- responding to messages and, um, yeah, you me, know. Me too, actually, that, yeah, that in it, place of consuming content. Yeah, and that and that can be a time suck as well. Mm. Not that It's not one that I um, feel particularly guilty or negative about or anything like that because I've, I think it's the best thing about social it's actual networking you know you're actually building a community and speaking to people and sharing experience so I you know I I do spend quite a lot of time on it but it's generally in a a a non-passive way the scrolling the lurking the creeping that's passive the active is actually you know forming relationships and speaking and conversing with people and all of the the research shows that there's such a split between the mental health impacts of those two types of behaviours. So that's why I always say when people say, what's the amount of time you should spend? It's so individual and it depends what you're doing on it. (laughs) You know, if you're just scrolling through pictures of Australian swimwear models, six foot girls with like gorgeous blonde hair for like 25 minutes, that's probably enough to ruin your day, to be honest. (laughs) Whereas two hours speaking to people and you know, having meaningful conversations. That's a different story, isn't it? I feel like I just spend mine fueling my expensive pottery habit. Mine's interiors. (laughs) If you ever post anything in your house, I'm going to want it. (laughs) (laughs) You're both very honest, obviously, as as we've discussed on, on Instagram in particular, about, you know, struggles with your own personal body image. Do you have things that are off limits in your own personal lives? Alex, are there things you would never share? No. (laughs) No, I overshare. I overshare everything. Until, actually, until quite recently, I um, wasn't, I didn't feel able to um, talk about my bulimia, which was um, my struggle for a long, long time. And part of that just felt too raw, too vulnerable. And I think I was still dealing with a lot of guilt around it and shame. Um, but that was, yeah, that was the last of it. I, I talked about that and now everyone knows everything about my life. I have no secrets. Does it feel cathartic? <laughs> Very cathartic, yeah. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people who are in the same boat. They're just far too scared to say anything to anyone um, and people just go through it all alone. So I think opening up the conversation and allowing people to then open up to people they know is, is very rewarding. Catherine, what about you? Because I know when you became a mother, you started a separate account. I did. Um, yeah, I just I felt like it was a lot of spotlight on a little baby. But more than that, I was I really struggled to get pregnant. And it's amazing when you're from about the age of 28, how you started to follow people for X, Y and Z. And suddenly you can wake up on a Monday morning and all you see is stories of babies um, because that's people's lives and I totally understand that and occasionally I do post a picture um, either of my partner or of my baby on my my main account but generally I keep it all to one side so people have actually had a um, conscious decision to follow that type of content rather than just having it segueing into their normal stream of um, content or because they like my shoes and bags and now you know they're seeing all different, you know, I don't know, 
conversations around weaning and this kind of stuff. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't interested in anything to do with babies until I got pregnant. So I just presume a lot of people <laughs> like that too. You know, it's an opt-in situation. But the, I don't really talk much at all really about my partner. And I think that's because I got divorced in the social media age and it's once bitten twice shy. I think I had to delete about two and a half thousand pictures of my ex-husband from my social media accounts and it took like four days. It's really difficult, really difficult to do. And I was just like, I'm not going to recreate that situation or the pressure for myself. You mm. know, my partner and I, were not married. We are very committed and in love and all of that. But... You know, I'm just, who knows what will happen tomorrow. Do you still get, I mean, Alex, your Instagram in particular feels very, I feel like if I arrived on your profile, I would understand. Very clearly define, you know, this is about body positivity. That's what I do. Do you still then get negative comments? Because surely people understand what they're going to get from you. It's not... You know, you're not doing a million different things and so someone might follow you. Catherine, someone might follow you for the fashion and then be like, oh, I don't understand yeah. why you're talking about this. Not that they should respond like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Alex, surely you don't get people commenting negatively. Oh, yes. yes. Really? Yes. Everyone gets people commenting okay. negatively. <laughs> like, that's full stop, <laughs> you know. The negative comments I get tend to centre around the fact that I am a um, size 12, like a very normal healthy size um size 12 uh white woman who's cisgendered and and um heterosexual um talking about you know um accepting your body essentially i'm i'm a i'm a body that's accepted in society whereas body positivity i'm sure you know it's like rooted in radical fat acceptance and for people whose bodies were marginalized so they needed a a, a space to to, to live and to be accepted and to and to um, believe that their body deserved love and respect, um, even when society was telling them that, they, that, that their bodies didn't. Um, so I've actually dropped the term body positivity because of that, um, because I feel like it was a movement that actually I should be an, an an ally of and not actually be a leader in, because it doesn't it doesn't apply to me. So um, a lot of the negative comments come around that I have to say, look, I'm not I'm not saying body positivity I'm saying body confidence and self-acceptance and anti-diet is a big message as well um so yeah a lot of the negativity comes around that and saying like of course you accept your body you're a size 12 and but you know. how funny for people to feel for people who have felt like they are not represented and they're excluded to then exclude you because they're like oh no yeah no, you yeah. don't get to come into our club of positivity and self-love. Yeah, it's a, that... it's a very complex, right. a very complex com- uh, conversation. But I, th- I think the people who it, who it was originally created to centre around feel like it's been hijacked by okay. women, I guess, that look like me, that kind of look like, you know, that are pretty much accepted in society, that have no issue moving about the world with, without, you know, any discrimination. Yeah, um, There is a privilege to it, for sure. For like, sure, there's been privilege, yeah. 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 I was kind of ignorant of the roots of the movement because it was such an underground movement that started mm. so long ago and I was ignorant ignorant of uh, you know about the roots of it for a long time until I started to get these me- messages saying you know please don't term what you're doing as body positivity because it's 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 not that's not how it started um so yes yeah, so I go with self-acceptance all bodies matter body confidence anti-diet 
any of the above. Catherine, what gets thrown at you? That Oh, loads of things. Um, my mum account's the worst, though. Really? Yeah. Goodness. And yeah. that's... So is that one private, it's, public? It isn't, it's public, but it's small. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, a very highly engaged community, um, and I get a lot of really strange messages. Um, I talked about very... Um, light sleep training one time and I got like a barrage of really aggressive horrible messages from um quite I guess I don't know what intense uh attachment parents so um you know telling me that I wasn't only going to scar my child's emotional development all of the children that were of the women that were following me were never going to be able to bond with their parents and you know would never be able to find love in their life because of the content that I was putting out there um I've had like uh anti-abortionists target me as well because I've spoken positively about you know options that women have and birth control and um women's rights so you know, you it's often, I think, the most innocuous and positive spaces that receive the worst. If you keep your head under the parapet and you don't speak out about anything, you're probably not going to get targeted for anything. If you try and use your platform to do something positive, say, oh, I'm trying to reduce plastic, you're probably going to get people saying, well, you've done 10 flights this year, I've been counting. Because it's it's seen as if you're trying to... I guess make your brand seem positive by associating it with a, a you know an environmental or a, a campaigning cause you have to be perfect every other part of your life has to be you know holier than thou um which is just not the case for anyone we all just do the best that we possibly can and if you can use your platform to start a conversation and make someone think differently in a more positive way or you know make them feel supported or heard that has to be you know a great thing that we should all be celebrated but Brené Brown says it the best you know these people they're they're not in your arena they're they're firing these um criticisms from the cheap seat so you know you you have to only really engage in your heart with the people that are on the same journey you know doing the work, really trying to, um, you know, make a positive difference to the world. And sadly, there are lots of people that aren't like that. They're just sitting behind a, a, you know, not typewriter. What's the word? I'm ever so tired today, (laughs) guys. I'm really sorry. I like typewriter better. (laughs) What what blooming century am I in this week? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, keyboard, sitting behind their keyboard and saying terrible things to you, you know. What do you do with the negative comments and the negative messages? Do you delete them or do you let them live? I would generally let the comments live, but yeah. the messages... I, if someone comes and they've got like a considered valid point, I will always engage with it because okay. what you don't want to be is operating in this hermetically sealed you know, chamber like we know that is so mm-hmm. easy to do. And often they will come in fairly innocuously and on the mum account, generally it starts with, I don't want to be one of those mums, but... <laughs> About 97% you are one of those mums. <laughs> but, you know, I'll always engage with it and start the conversation. I think when it starts to, you know, you start to get a feeling that, oh, this isn't this isn't very nice, then I just say, I'm really sorry. I don't think that we're going to be able to bring anything to each other's point of view, and then I block them. Yeah. 
because it's you know you can't you can't you pull yourself apart in thousands and thousands of different pieces if you continue those conversations you're more level-headed than me. <laughs> so, Alex, what, what's your response? Comments like, I, I get a lot of comments saying, oh, you're just fat now, which is when I'll share a picture of when um, I was, you know, in the depths of an eating disorder and very, very thin, and I'll share a picture now. And I get a lot of comments then that just say, like, you've let yourself go. <laughs> like, you've... But oh, wow. I have to, those comments, they don't bother me because I think that is truly just a reflection on the people they're commenting, not me, and actually... They've clearly got very deep issues, and I hope they get resolved. Um, but it's it's messages that accuse me of being attention seeking. You know, I'm not doing this to create to, to spread a positive message. I'm doing this for attention and for likes and follows, and that kind of gets my back up because I I I want to say to them, you've got no idea. I've been to hell and back with you know with my body image journey and all my issues and eating disorders and you have no right to come here and say that to me but I should be more be more Catherine (laughs) I need to be more level-headed and engage in a conversation better and just and yeah but it's hard when you're putting so much of yourself out there and Alex I mean when I saw you this morning and you said I haven't seen you in years and I thought surely surely that's not true because I follow you on Instagram, I follow you both on Instagram and I have seen your breakup and your new partner and you kind of transform into this body confidence influencer. I've seen all of that so I feel like I then have a right to say to you congratulations on this or how's that going but you are then very vulnerable to people feeling like they can just have a say. For example, you Mm. choosing to share kind of why you broke up with well why you went through this breakup and do you ever regret sharing things and think do you know what actually that one should have stayed in the in the personal vault actually I should have spoken about that before actually when you were saying is there anything you don't share on Instagram so I didn't share that um, my breakup with um, my boyfriend of 10 years I didn't share that on it I shared that I'd broken up but I didn't share the reasons why um, because I definitely hadn't come to terms with it and I needed like like Catherine said, I needed to come to a positive place and a place where I wouldn't be so affected by the comments that came came back at me after sharing that. Um, my ex-boyfriend, we split up because he's gay. He came out and um, it took me a while to obviously get my head around it. But now he has a boyfriend and I've met the boyfriend. And actually, it was when I met the boyfriend and I just thought, this is great. I was with my boyfriend my ex-boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend's new boyfriend, and I thought, this is so nice and it's great and we're all friends and I'm going to share it. So I, I posted a picture of the four of us and the response was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And I, and I thought I was, I was right to wait until I was in this good place for sure. Um, but I'm so glad that I, I did share it. But, yeah, everyone knows everything, of course, and they... And they um, I mean, when I when I did break up with Benny, who was who was my ex boyfriend, we'd been together for so long, and like you said, Catherine, I'd shared so many pictures with him, and he was all over Instagram stories. So when people started to realise that we'd broke up, it was like, well, why? But why? What happened? They want to know, and they feel like they have a have a right to know because they've been so involved in the relationship. So that part is is a bit difficult because part of me felt like, well, do I do they have a right to know? Should I? Should I be telling people? Should I be saying, well, this is what happened? And Catherine, with the 
parenting yeah. account that you have. Certainly when, when we run stories online or in the paper, um, people will comment and say this is a violation of the child's privacy mm. and, you know, what if they don't want to be in on social media in 15 years' time when they're coming into their teens and they've suddenly got this huge social footprint? How, how do you feel about that? Well, it's definitely um, a difficult question. However, it's not like he's going to be uh, in the um, minority of experience. A survey last year found that the vast majority of parents share a picture before a child is one hour old in some form of social media. So this isn't a niche experience that my child's going to be going through. This is a generational change and shift. I've always said that if ever at any stage he didn't like any of the pictures, which I've always been very um, careful about anyway, you know, there are obviously no naked pictures, nothing embarrassing. I would never do anything, you know, that in the future could be um, make him feel any sense of shame. Um, but if he said he didn't want any pictures of himself online, we would delete them. However, it's very difficult to to walk as uh, any individual in this world without a social media footprint. Um, my brother's done it quite successfully. You can't Google him and find a, a image at all, and there are no images of him on social media, but he lives up the side of a mountain on the German-Swiss borders. So, wow. you know, it's you really have to make a lifestyle decision yeah. in order for that not to be part of you. Obviously, there's the flip side that it could be an amazing asset. <laughs> you know, we, we forget that. But some children will be growing up online in a world where media is now online and on social and huge percentages of jobs will require elements of those skills. And there's, there was an amazing statistic year before last um, that was taken from a, a large range of different HR companies. And it said that for um, recruiters, 50% of them wouldn't continue in um, a hiring process with an individual that didn't have any social media account. Wow. So it's God, not like just, oh, if you're an influencer, this is an issue. This is an issue if you're a teacher or an architect or, you know, lots and lots of other um, different things because it is seen as somewhat shady if you don't want to have any footprint whatsoever. You know, I just, I try to kind of find the middle line with it. Um, for me, I had a baby in a city. My parents don't live here. I didn't have any friends with children. And social media was an absolute lifeline to find connection amongst other women um, who I've now met offline as well and formed amazing friendships with. I would hope that I'm going to raise a child that has empathy and can understand my position um, in that and understand why I used my experience to help other women who are in the same position and, you know, really build a healthy environment that he could be raised in instead of just me sitting there while he screamed in my face for nine months, uh, you know, for eight hours a day, all alone with no one to talk to about it. But also for both of you... And for a lot of people out there, it is actually a, a job in itself and it's a way to to make money. And I mean, Alex, for example, you've just posted a new campaign. Um, you've paired up with Isle of Paradise yes. Fake Tan. Yes. Um, I actually have some of the drops on my face today. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Is this sponsored by... <laughs> it's not 
but they're really good. Um, I've just been away for the weekend on a hen and everyone's like, God, you've really caught the sun. And it's like, I have not actually. No. I was wearing Factor 50. Um, but you posted pictures in your underwear. Yes. And I, I'm imagining this is a paid partnership. How much of your, how much of your kind of work comes through social media what's what's your balance is that your kind of are you reliant on that to pay rent working on social media oh I actually work at hello magazine as well I'm employed there part uh part-time so I do three days a week there um so I have two um revenue streams um but absolutely social media pays my rent pays my bills um I wouldn't be able to be part-time at um at my at my job without it so yeah I rely on it heavily the Isle of Paradise actually wasn't um, part of a paid campaign because um, it's for charity. It was for the Mind charity, but yeah, I do I do product placement and ambassadorships and all of that, all the things, yeah, all the things. Well, I think people look at Instagram and they assume it's a cash cow and they assume you're all raking in loads of money and it's really easy for you and you just get sent a frock and bosh up a picture and you know. 50k later you're on holiday (laughs) what's what's the actual reality of trying to work on instagram i mean i don't know in fact catherine i'm sure that you're the same but i turned down around probably like 90 percent of paid paid opportunities that i'm offered are you yeah i mean i get some very strange things come in though i'm sure you do too I mean, I get, I get a lot of skinny tea offers and detox coffee. I'm <laughs> oh like, really? And they not looked at what you're posting. <laughs> it's always, always in the subject line as well as a note from a fan. I'm a huge fan of your Instagram. I'm thinking you're definitely not because if you took one look, you'd know not to be contacting me. But I get, yeah, I get tons of offers that I would just never go for because it just doesn't align with. Yeah, and what? you know, it's like anything. There are good months and there are not good months, and there, especially when I mean, I operate a lot around the fashion system. So, like, what do you fancy? Don't make any money in August. Don't make any money in January. You know, what do you do in those months? There's still of mortgage when, to be paid. When the kind of this is obviously when the calendar. There's exactly the fashion calendar is pretty um, bleak. Let's just say for anyone trying to make any money, and indeed for journalists trying to write stories, there are these fallow periods. I think in every industry, so. You know, you have to have something. You have to have your bread and butter. And I also think, and I say this to everyone as advice, um, for anyone that wants to start building a profile and working in social media or advertising or whatever you want to call it, great, go for it. But don't make it the only thing that you're doing. Because as soon as you do, that is literally your income, the roof over your head, based on how much people like you. And you start to get into a very dangerous space there. Um, and, you know, it's there are amazing opportunities. Some of them can be lucrative. But I can tell you, because I've been in this space for such a long time, the women, even ones with huge, huge followings and who are making a lot of money, if this is all they have, it is so, so terrible for their mental health. It really is. The pressure, especially if they're hiring, um, if they're um, employing a lot of other people as well, and then suddenly their engagement starts to plummet mm. and, you know, brands don't want to work with them anymore or there's a new, hotter, younger, cooler girl on the scene. 
it, it can completely cripple people. And also you're basing your entire career on an app that you have no control of. Well, quite. And you don't, own, you, you don't own any of your own content. Instagram owns your content and Instagram could disappear at any moment. Literally. I doubt it will, but it could. So what advice would you give to anyone who's maybe in a bit of an unhealthy rut with social media at the moment? Well, I can come at it from a a body image perspective because I get a lot of people asking me, how do I improve my body image? And I say, well, diversify your social media feed, as you were Mm. saying. Uh, Follow a whole different range of people, of sizes, of colours, of shapes, all of it. Um, Because the more you see of different people on social media, the better you feel, the more accepted you feel. Um, So definitely diversify and take a look, as we said, take a look at who you're following and think, why do I need to follow them? Are they making me feel bad? And, and, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, I can't unfollow that person because I know them or I met them last year or, you know, but that is far less important than your mental health. So I think you have to really be ruthless about who you're following and really curate um, your Instagram feed. I mute people. Yeah, I mean, the mute function is amazing for that because then they don't know. And you can just like blame the algorithm. Yeah, I never see your posts. (laughs) Can you mute mute posts as well as stories? The whole shebang. I went, I found a way the other day, I can't remember why, went into who I'd muted and I'd forgotten that I'd muted people and I was like, oh yeah, glad I've muted you. (laughs) You'll stay there. On that note, I think that's all we've got time for. Alex, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. That's all for today, but why not join the conversation on Instagram if we haven't put you off it? You can find me at Charlie Gowans, Alex at AlexLight underscore LDN, and Catherine at Catherine with a K underscore Ormerod, O-R-M-E-R-O-D. You can also find more discussion on our website. Don't forget you can get 30 days of access completely free, including all of the fashion team style tips, trend reports and big name interviews if you go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion unzipped sub. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a five star rating and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show. And if you have any requests for topics you'd like us to talk about or you want to comment on something you heard today, email me at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. I'll be back in a fortnight, but until then, thanks for listening.